0: On some level, it doesn't matter what framework you use, right? Like As long as you get stuff done, it doesn't matter. But no matter how good you are at code, you can write the best framework in the world, but if only you use it, then it's not going to have that much impact. So at some point you have to start stealing community beyond code. Internally, it's more about advocating for what users want in the product, building open source tooling and maintaining open source tooling, deciding what the content is, deciding how to frame and weight the content so like it's not too much on any particular thing, because people can look up stuff themselves. They just need to know what exists. Hey, this is
1: Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss the Jamstack, a new way of building websites and apps that are fast, secure, and simple to work with. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by HeavyBit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we've got Sean Wang, which I've actually, I didn't even know what your last name was until we signed up to do this, because I always call you Swix. so you wanna say hello?
0: Yeah, hi everyone. Uh, thanks for having me. And yeah, my initials are SWYX, and I've just had that nickname since I was 13. So I'm perfectly comfortable going by that. Uh, also, there's another Sean at Mellify. So, you know, I didn't wanna confuse people, so I just went with Six.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. And I didn't even realize that, like, not even knowing what your real name was, didn't even know that those were your initials. I thought that was like, I was gonna ask you what the background was that for that. Cause I think whenever somebody talks about you online, or even in person, they always say Swix. They don't actually ever say Sean. Um, yeah, for the longest time. I didn't even know your first name was Sean until you joined Netlify. So, small world.
0: I like how like some people actually ask me how it's pronounced, and they never get it wrong. So I'm like, there's no other way to pronounce it.
1: So Sean, do you want to say, like what's your day job, what do you do, and uh, sort of like why you're here today?
0: Sure. I work in Netlify as a developer experience engineer, which is basically your old job, Brian. And... Uh, I'm not doing as much as you used to do because you used to just be responsible for everything. Now we have six people on this <laughs> on this team and it's still- That's awesome. Six people is what my legacy is. <laughs> so yeah, the, the job is basically well, it's a mix of developer advocacy and then sort of internal and external. Like it's external in a sense of like tell people that Netlify exists and then what it's good for and why you might want to use it and show them how to use it with demos and stuff. And then internally it's more about sort of Advocating for what users want in the product, building open source tooling and maintaining open source tooling. For, instance, for example, I've been picking up on uh, GoTru, which is uh, the Netlify identity library, and writing React wrappers around it. So it's, so it's very easy for React users to use that. Uh, most recently, I did a four hour here's how to do everything on Nellify tutorial. Yeah, that's right. Which took me a month. <laughs> <laughs> All those and, four
1: hours, is a month of worth of uh, your time. That's awesome.
0: It, and it's editing and it's like, you know, deciding what the content is, deciding how to frame and weight the content. So like, it's not too much on any particular thing because people can look up stuff themselves. They just need to know what to, what exists. So you did a similar thing. I think it was like a, an hour, two hours where you kind of just yeah. go through Nellify. It was a prepared presentation, but also a live demo. And you did that in one take in your garage. Yeah. I could not do that. <laughs> yeah, it,
1: some some of the sections were more than one take. I did uh, take some liberty there, but yeah, I it was like I sort of powered through. I think like on a Friday.
0: Yeah, so you know I'm aspiring to do that. Uh, I'm only about two years into this job, but uh, it's it's definitely it's definitely a very rewarding job.
1: Awesome, and uh, yeah, I yeah, sort of mention for the for the sake of the listener, we had Divya on like seven episodes ago. The chat about developer experience in general, and then also chat a, a bit about Vue in the community as well. So if you want to listen to episode 44, definitely check that out.
0: Well, So we kind of split things by community, and we all speak to different parts of the community. Uh, Sarah runs the team, so Sarah and Divya speak to the Vue community. I was actually like the only React guy for a long time because I also helped to moderate the React, r slash ReactJS subreddit on, on Reddit. But recently we hired Jason Langsdorff, and so now I'm no longer needed, but <laughs> 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 uh, and then we also hired awesome. Tara, Tara Manixic uh, on Angular as and Phil's fills on always on the indie web slash vanilla HTML JS CSS train. So yeah, we we try to just address different people as they come into Jamstack.
1: Yeah, that's awesome because like I, I personally don't know everything about every front end JavaScript framework as well as even I do I do have one site that I have in production that I, I leveraged a lot, which is an HTML uh, or sort of HTML slash indie web, what Phil would touch. But yeah, I'm by no means an expert, which is why I have you here today to talk about Spelt. Yeah. Another thing that I've known about for a long time, I believe Rich Harris is the creator, and I think it, did it used to be something else or where did Spelt come from?
0: Right, so uh, Rich actually had a previous framework called Reactive, and that was the original sort of idea for reactive reactivity and frameworks. I think it kind of was around at the same time as React. And so... Reactive actually had, was responsible for a number of innovations, and most well-known of it is probably the, the idea that you should have single file components that encapsulate styling as well as uh, templating and, and all the other JavaScript uh, logic components. Obviously, React has not adopted that, but basically every other framework has that. Svelte is a reinvention of, of that approach, basically... Adopting a compiler approach. And, and, and that's a lot of the, the reason for its uh, performance and bundle size. And we can get into all that. But, like a compiler,
1: uh, like it, as in like Elm, like how they have a compiler that compiles JavaScript. Less intense, but, okay.
0: but philosophically the same thing. Uh, so Elm is a full language. Rich Harris also refers to Svelte as a language, but it's more akin to HTML than it is to Haskell. Like Elm is basically very, very much inspired by Haskell. And by the way, if anyone's interested in Elm, definitely go read uh, Evan Chaplicki's Harvard undergrad thesis. I don't even remember my own thesis, but I read his and I was like, this is the most clear elucidation of functional programming I have ever read. And it, this guy, this kid, <laughs> just wrote it. <laughs> anyway, there, there are a number of uh, approaches to frameworks, and me being a primarily React person, like my, my day job is still React, so I, I, and I've made my career and reputation on React, and I, I still think it's worth exploring other frameworks. And Svelte has a very different approach, which is compiler based, and we can talk a little bit little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I'd love to hear more about that too. And just like I'm thinking in my head, like, did I have Elm on the podcast? And I went, I googled it, and I had Elm on the podcast, episode 19. So nice. if you want to go down that rabbit hole in compilers, uh, definitely check that out. But yeah, tell me more about Svelte. Like, so compiler-based, but more towards the HTML side. Like, What are some other wins?
0: Right, so the thing about Svelte is that every single component looks like a mini HTML file. There's a style section if you want it, there's a script section if you want it, and then there's just like regular old html elements and then there's some template syntax uh, for, for inserting in them uh, very similar to how angular and view might have it but the compiler approach basically allows Svelte to cheat at this trade-off between having batteries included and bundle size obviously bundle size is very important for the web but then for developer experience you want to have as much provided out of the box as possible historically if you just had everything in the javascript bundle then adding features means adding weight in, in JavaScript. So by taking a compiler approach, as well as able to say, like, okay, we're going to provide a first-class feature for animations, but if you don't use it, we won't include it. And same thing for for state management. Same thing for CSS. So it's very much like it's able to do batteries included without the cost of, of JavaScript in, in, embedded in that. So I, I really like that.
1: That's interesting. So like you don't hear many frameworks that have batteries included, also care about bundle size which is interesting that they, you can get both of those those wins because uh, like even react though you get create react app like most people either reject or don't start with create react app at this point well maybe most people do at this, I haven't talked to most people uh, to be honest but uh yeah it's just like kind of those like two things like like the age-old programming intro to algorithms questions like there's three things but you can only have two of them you can not have all three right' uh, spelt like is it all three? Bundled in one. I don't know
0: what. What are the three
1: <laughs> speeds? Yeah, I was trying. I was stumbling through was like complexity, time, <laughs> performance. I don't know.
0: The analogy is kind of strange because we're talking about creating apps for the web yeah. uh, instead of traditional programming. So you know, I'm very heavily involved in the React ecosystem, and I know I'm on top of this because I help beginners on r slash React We have a monthly Reddit uh, with a monthly beginners thread something like 500 questions and answers every month. And uh, I hosted one recently. It's confusing for beginners to to have to go and seek out all of these things. So let me just give you like a quick list of like what people in React land typically have to deal with and what is first class in, in Svelte. So, like, static scope styling, yeah. you typically have to pick from style components, astral turf, linearia, motion, and, and, and React. In Svelte, it's first class, you use the style tag, just like you would in regular HTML. For transitions, you might use something like a React transition group. In Svelte, it's just a, the transition directive. Animations, you might use React spring or Framer motion. Svelte, again, first class. Head management, uh, you might use React helmet class toggling you might use the class names tag state management you might use redux and mobx uh, all of these have like you know first class citizens i also really like the accessibility linting so because the compiler goes through the ast of your entire app you can actually just build accessibility warnings into your build instead of having to import like a separate ESLint tooling. So is this whole idea of collapsing your entire tool chain. You're going to have a build step anyway, right? Especially with the Jamstack. You're going to have a build step. Like let's let's actually just stick as much in there uh, in a in the single pass as possible. So the result is that like typically if you do like a create React app, right? Like that's the default standard way to start a React app. Typically it takes about like five minutes of installing npm packages and, and running them. Do the same thing for Svelte, and you'll see how much quicker it is. Just because there's so much that's baked in, and it doesn't duplicate, and it just is designed for speed.
1: That's awesome. So like in my mind, as I'm like crafting where Svelte fits within the ecosystem, like React being on the the right side, where like create React app, you've got everything, you've got adoption, you've got a lot of like documentation at this point. And then spelt being on this side where its it's got a compiler built in as well. It seems like it's almost like, rather, not, not even spelt being in the middle rather, and then view being on the other side. Because a lot of these things that you're mentioning, like adding tags to your, your components for opting in functionality, it sounds like a lot of stuff that I like about view. And a lot of stuff what I heard about view as well.
0: Yeah, I actually put Svelte on the far end, even beyond Vue, uh, because okay. so, for example, SSR meta so a lot of frameworks, a lot of JavaScript frameworks only take care of JavaScript rendering, right? But for SEO and performance, you want to do some server-side rendering. Vue doesn't handle that first class, so you have to rely on something like a VuePress or a Nuxt, which are third-party teams that are maintaining that. Same for React, you have Gatsby and Next.js. But Svelte actually recommends Sapper as a first-party thing, like the, the same core team maintains that. So that severe degree of vertical integration throughout the entire stack goes even into the SSR meta framework, which is important for tooling to know about each other.
1: Yeah. So is there like an option if I'm, uh, I'm a React dev today and I'm doing a bunch of React sites and I'm cre- reacting every weekend uh, on side projects, is there an option to sort of like piecemeal and like transition into Spelt or yeah. try it out? Like what, are, what are the, I guess, the resources out there?
0: While the resources are primarily the Svelte tutorial, so the docs are actually pretty good for something that is a side project of like four people, right? Like if you compare like the, the, the Vue core team is like 30 something people, the React team is like eight, people, you know, full-time on this thing, you know, let's face facts. It's a, it's a side project of certain people, but the, the the docs are actually really good. They have a full tutorial that steps you through a REPL because every compiler should have a REPL showing you the before and after of what you write. And it, you, it's literally like any other framework. I would say React and Vue and every every framework does this where you just give it an um, element to mount on and it just takes over from there, right? Yeah. So if you want to interoperate between frameworks, uh, that's the way to do it. I would actually preach the other approach where you should start most pages with, with Svelte first and only add React once you need it because React has the heavier runtime. That's about 100 kilobytes uh, uncompressed, whereas Svelte, you can get it down to as low as nine. So that's a very nice way to, to think about like how do you want to set up your sites, which typically like my, my current tagline for what I would recommend people is to, to say basically Svelte for sites and React for apps. Like if you're primarily building something where you're giving people information and just a little bit of interactivity, let's say for like a login system, a checkout, a, a persisting some options, um, use Svelte because like the, the bundle size is so much smaller. But if you're going to have that runtime, if you're going to make a progressive web app or, or like a React Native thing across multiple platforms, yeah, go ahead and use React. And to me, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Wow, that's a good tagline. Hopefully that uh, makes it in the... Uh the the tagline section for jamstack uh, the the radio site but yeah that makes a lot of sense and like it's encouraging to hear that because like at the moment I'm not really building a lot of apps uh, I'm building a lot of one-off sites yeah. and leveraging a lot of like APIs to produce data and then some functions to keep that data alive and that's like at the moment that's my jam because everything I do is a side project at this point at my current role so really cool to hear yeah
0: we're talking about GemStack Radio, and like, I feel like you know, I've been doing this job two years, you've been doing it longer. They're just very different concerns when you think about building sites versus building apps. Once you start building apps, actually these concerns about JavaScript weight don't really matter because the, the alternative is like a very, very heavy native app, right? Yeah. So yeah, you know, load the full featured runtime with the ecosystem that's heavily supported. But if you're doing sites, then obviously performance, on, especially on low-end mobile devices, you've you got to care about it. But, you know, I don't want to make it just about performance. Um, I think Svelte, the the syntax is the lowest that I've ever seen. So, for example, I've been transitioning some React apps that I used to have, like personal apps, and I just rewrote them in Svelte just to get a feel, right? It's a learn. You typically get about 20 to 30% less code just because Svelte embraces sugar syntax and mutability. So, for example, in React, you have to, like, uh, use, like, a React use state hook and then you have to set state somewhere and it's asynchronous and you have to, it's, like, a, this, this whole callback process. In Svelte, you just you assign, you, you just like, you know, the variable equals new value, that's it. So like, just like, logically cannot get less than that. And the less syntax you have, the less code that you write, the less bugs. And that's a lot of what Rich Harris is, is preaching. For me, actually, the, the sugar syntax is, is more important. React, for example, has choose two-way binding, like it's like data down, you know, events up, for example. Which means that for writing forms, it's hard in React. Like anyone who's written a good form in React is like, all right, I need a, I need a form management library for this. And that's why you reach for Redux form or or Formic. In, in Spelt, it's just two-way binding all the way. And then you just validate and, and submit in your submission handlers. And that's about it. It kind of is what it used
1: to be, I think. Yeah, it sounds like maybe Spelt had some time to make a decision that everybody's sort of been struggling with and say okay let's not go down this rabbit
0: hole yeah one of the things that I'm, I'm actively exploring is some of these ideas don't have to belong to svelte alone svelte you know a lot of uh view you know took the idea of single file components from Svelte. i think we can take this idea of a compiled language to react to say like all right these are super common cases and we end up having to import so many libraries just to handle this stuff. What if we just introduce a bit more syntax and just make our lives a lot easier? So that's something I'm I'm actively exploring as well.
1: Yeah. So I'm curious, and like going back to your mention of the maintainers of Spelt uh, being their side project, I'm curious of like who are these people, uh, and like who <laughs> is using Spelt today? Knowing that this is a uh, this may or may not be a side project for some of these uh, maintainers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a fair concern. Uh, it's actually a bunch of Brits. Uh, it's Rich Harris and his gang obviously rich and his entire desk at the new york times use it so if you see any data viz at in the new york times it's basically it's it's probably swell. Uh, oh, cool obviously obviously performance uh, especially on mobile is a is a big concern for them and rich has uh, has a long history because he's also responsible for, for a roll up and some other smaller libraries. Uh, it's the same group of maintainers uh, <laughs> that kind of follow along the philosophy.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't know the correlation between Rollup and Svelte. I, I know a maintainer on Rollup, but I didn't know Rich was uh, behind it. Yeah, he created it. Excellent.
0: Obviously, there, there's a there's a good team of, of people. I actually don't know their real names. I only know their GitHub handles. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Uh, they're, they're, they're pretty awesome. And it's growing. Uh, Svelte actually, so I've, I've been criticizing Svelte as well because it used to be like a small core team of like four people, um, but now they've, they've, they've expanded a lot as well. So it is what it is. I, I actually have been thinking about this, like no matter how good you are at code, you can write the best framework in the world, but if, if only you use it, then it's not going to have that much impact. So at some point, you have to start scaling community beyond code. And it's about like, I know, maintaining, like triaging issues. It's the really boring stuff that just has to get done. Like documenting, like having meetups, demos, doing talks, like just yeah. that all that like meta language. This is what Chengdu from the Reason Core team calls it. Like it's the meta language around the language. So I was definitely entering that phase where uh, it's starting to grow community more than code.
1: Yeah, I mean, 30,000 stars on a project that I've known of but never tried for like. Quite a few years is like pretty surprising. I'm just checking out the, the repo now.
0: Yeah, there are other users. I actually don't know them off the top of my head, but on the community side, we maintain a bunch of you know like who uses Svelte. I mean, it's just it's just a bunch of logos, but it doesn't really tell you much, right? Yeah. yeah. Apple Apple actually has recently started hiring people specifically for Svelte. So interesting. Yeah, there's a Twitter handle Svelte Jobs where you can see the people who are actually specifically hiring for this stuff. And something that is really close to heart because like. On some level, it doesn't matter what framework you use, right? Like, as long as you get stuff done, it doesn't, doesn't matter. But for devices that are low power, that actually need that performance, then the bundle size of Svelte starts actually mattering a lot. One of the use cases that Rich Harris talks about in his Svelte 3 talk, uh, Rethinking Reactivity, uh, you should definitely link that in the show notes. But basically, he was talking about how you know, a major payments provider in Brazil uses this in, in embedded devices to provide a nice UI, uh, and then that is all Svelte.
1: Okay. And then you alluded to you're you're part of the Spelt community
0: as well. I, I, I guess informally, <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I, I run it, but it's weird because like this is not my job. It's just like I'm doing this for fun because I think that it's more challenging for me at this at my stage in, in my career to think about community rather than code. And I think that's something that I actually got from you, where you're like, okay, I'm you know, you're a developer advocate for GitHub. You can go around the world doing talks all the live long day, but that's not going to scale. That's it. You, you only have three hundred sixty five days a year. Yeah, but like you know, how do you extend the community work beyond that so that you enable other people to do that work and it's more authentic coming from them, right? If it's just fellow users, like GitHub pays your checks. And you're an expert, right? Like, you might not be able to speak to certain communities just because you, you no longer belong to those or you, or you never were. And so, so I think enabling other people to, to speak about your stuff is, is actually a good goal for someone who is organizing a community. So that's what I did. so, you know, I, I helped to set up the Svelte community site and also in New York, I'm helping to set up the Salt Society meetup, which is basically a conference and a meetup series similar to View Vixen's and just trying to get more people excited and, and creative. I think that's something that I really enjoy about the community because every other framework, a lot of people have to learn the framework for work. And so they're very interested in like enterprise. Uh, we call this like enterprise React, like take React, like add TypeScript onto it, add Redux, like add all that junk and it, it's no longer fun. Uh, people just don't like mess around with stuff and so feels very much focused on like, Quick and easy to get going. And then you it's got animations built in and you can you can make very delightful apps. And it's just a joy to play with.
1: You mentioned the Svelte docs around where to learn. Like if I want to get started with Svelte today and I'm a a listener, like where's my first step?
0: Yeah, Svelte.dev that's the main site that you land on, you'll quickly go into the tutorials. So you can either check out the tutorials or if you learn a different way, if you're, if you're more of like a, like I wanna see what the, the big idea is, uh, definitely check out his talks. Uh, Rich gave three talks last year, basically detailing each of the elements of Svelte and how it compares to other frameworks. I'm the kind of guy I, I learned from big picture down. Uh, so if, you, if you're that kind of guy, uh, look out for rethinking reactivity from, from Rich Harris. And then also you can join us in the community. So Discord is is where most of the users hang out. The community site for Svelte is where people show like repls and third-party libraries and stuff like that. Svelte Society is the uh, meetup series. There are events happening all over the world and obviously contribute on GitHub.
1: Excellent. What was the thing you kicked off with uh, Svelte for Sites and React for Apps? Yeah. I'm definitely going to try out Svelte this weekend for sure uh, on one of my projects I'm working on.
0: Nice, nice. You should check it out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So with that being said, we're going to transition the picks. Uh, these are jam picks, things that we're jamming on. It could be music, food, et cetera, et cetera. But with that being said, I'll go ahead and go first because I got three picks, actually, that I'm super, super excited about. So first off, I just launched a site, one of the projects I'm working on at GitHub. It's called githubhackathon.com, and uh, it's going to be focused around GitHub Actions. So if you are at all familiar with GitHub Actions or not, definitely check it out. It is a sack site, too, as well. So it's like my first... Public-facing jam sex site that I get to be a part of. So check out githubacadon.com. I also want to mention this uh, new documentary on Netflix uh, called Hip Hop Evolution. And like, I just came back from Brussels, which sounds like really funny to say out loud. But uh, I was there for Fostim. Downloaded a uh, this documentary on Hip Hop Evolution, and I was just blown away because if anybody's seen my talks uh, in the last couple years, they're very heavily hip hop influenced. At this talk where I talk about GraphQL and gangster rap, and going through that, and the crazy part—if you took the GraphQL out of that, it's basically episode two of this documentary. So episode two and three, yes. Yeah, so I was just blown away like all this context that I've been sort of trying to talk about code with. It's like right here in this like this series. But with that being said, I also realized I got some things wrong. So if you do go in like my talk and I talk about the history of hip hop. I missed some very key figures that I had no idea existed. And I, the thing I like about this series is that it actually talks about the beginning beginning, like the non-recorded hip-hop, which is something that I forget existed. They go into even to that detail because I only know all the stuff that's like that was on my Napster in middle school. <laughs> um, so I missed all that stuff. So with that being said, I got one more thing, which is MutualFun.io, which is a, a TLD that I've owned for way too long and I finally am doing something with it. And... Um, I am live streaming, so thanks to Jason Linksdorf, I, I ended up doing a live stream with him on GitHub Actions, and got super excited about getting back into live streaming again. So I've been live streaming building one of my projects. So it's mutualfund.io. I'm building a, a Jamstack site again, and this live, and it's open source as well. So the goal is to start doing like a lot of my work, uh, live streaming it, the stuff that I can, and then if you want to help me build a community around watching me code, and hopefully, and also have other people on, so if you want to come and live stream with me, uh, I'll do that a bit. But I think I'm mainly not going like, to encroach in JSON space and mainly just be working on my projects in open source. So Sean, do you have any picks?
0: Yeah, sure. So I, I do think that we should all build more sites with well. files. So I actually wrote a static site generator and it's called SSG because I, I've learned how to name squat on npm. It's actually disturbingly easy. I don't think it should be this easy, but you just send NPM a request that, like, hey, no one's using this. Can I have it? And they give it.
1: Yeah, I think there was a blog post about this, uh, the whole pad thing and the name squatting. But yeah. For sure.
0: So, so it stands for Svelte Site Generator, but whatever, it's, I just got the name SSG. Uh, so my site's in it, 6.io, uh, and you can see how lightweight a, a, a production Svelte site can be. I also have been recently getting into styling scroll bars. This is actually the, the subject of today's blog post. I'm, I'm trying to blog every day. So I'm not a streamer. Oh nice. Blogging is just like less stress for me. So did you know that you can style scroll bars? Did you know that you can like make put little hearts on them? So if you go to my site right now, I put little hearts on my scroll bars and then I made my the the, the actual button for the scroll bar transparent so it, so you can see through it. And it's just like a really nice, fancy effects. I I picked this up from CSS Tricks, and I just think that it's an underutilized part of the platform.
1: I I would say that I haven't styled a scroll bar since MySpace.
0: (laughs) Why not? Right? For sure. Um, And then I I think uh, for my fun pick, I'm going to pick Tiny Desk Concerts. Like there are people who don't know about them, and they're missing out because it's NPR. It's sort of like uh, live, like unplugged performances from really like top line. Singers and performers, and, and I'm ashamed to admit that that's where I discovered Dizzo.
1: <laughs> so I'm laughing because like her tiny desk concert is like so much different from her, I guess, uh, summer that she had last year with all her songs. But
0: yeah, she, yeah, it was really good, right? Like that's the thing. Like you get to see these stars, huge stars, who are typically on like a giant stage with like fifty thousand fans. You see them in like a tiny room with the tiniest desk and <laughs> with like thirty people, and it's a very intimate setting, and I, I really love that. So yeah,
1: I highly recommend as well because um. There was one where Dave Chappelle introed. It was like one of his friends who plays harmonica. Yeah, that was amazing.
0: But they have a good diversity. It's not just American music. It's also it's also Middle Eastern stuff, yeah. like African stuff, which like I don't even you know I don't remember the name of it, but I, I loved it because like they just bring their joy and the music is just it speaks to everyone without having a language, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. There's a a, a local Oakland artist, Fantastic Negrito. Anyway. He was local. I'd never heard of him, and then I saw him on Tiny Desk, and then like I ended up like seeing him in, around Oakland, which is like super super funny. Yeah. But yeah, I highly recommend that. It's like my Saturday morning cleaning YouTube.
0: I, it's probably the top perk of working NPR that you, that you get to go to Tiny Desk in person. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, also the T Pain one too as well. Uh, if anybody knows T Pain. Pain. He can sing. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. He he's been lying to us all these years, but yeah, he ended up singing acoustic, like "Buy Me a Drink." <laughs>
0: He started, he was like, yeah, I got the auto-tune in in my throat now. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah. so that's my jam.
1: Excellent. Well, Sean, thanks for coming on and talking about Svelte and also sharing your picks. Um, Also going to be like definitely hooking up to your RSS. And uh, listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio.